Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 381, covering The Wolf Inside, with Nathan Lajeunesse. Hi, friends. Uh, Nate's here for the first time in a very long time. Well, very long time to you guys. We just recorded a whole show that we lost, mm-hmm. thanks to my <laughs> equipment. So apologies to uh, my co-host and our guest for that. But, uh, it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, good to be instantly back after an hour's interesting discussion that we now have to duplicate. See, the nice thing <laughs> is that now we have the experience of doing the show, so we sh- this should come off as an even better per- show, right? Uh, nothing more spontaneous <laughs> than than trying to duplicate a conversation you just had. I mean, it wouldn't be the first <laughs> time, so. A, but for three hundred some, almost four hundred episodes, maybe only like the third time we've done mm-hmm. this. Like this mm-hmm. doesn't happen often. Uh, but Nate, we we are very happy to have you back. It's been it has been a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think we parted company for a while when we started doing Voyager because you really like Voyager and you didn't want us to be mean to it. <laughs> Not so much. I don't mind no? like making fun of it because uh, oh, okay. I enjoyed it in the past, and you can't ruin my childhood. So yeah, it's, oh, that's it's it impossible to ruin someone's childhood. I, yeah. Well, the internet has told me otherwise. Mm. But uh, <laughs> that guy's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's that true. guy. The internet. <laughs> that <Yeah>. guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I do wish it was under happier circumstances that you were rejoining us though because this is I think we agree this is the worst the worst one so far maybe the worst one this season mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I watched it like four times because I'm like out of practice at summarizing and yeah. uh, and it was an a slog just just had to yeah ugh mm-hmm. well, it's rough well and and you're also here to talk about another thing which which we will get to later in the show but. First, we got to talk about what happened here. So why why don't you uh, tell us again, uh, for the first time, what happened in <laughs> The Wolf Inside? What a great title, by the way. <laughs> They're all stellar. Uh-huh. Well, we open on a horror movie already in progress. I was having trouble coming up with jokes, but then I realized that the only funny parts of this episode are actually direct quotes from the episode. So big thanks to me, from me, to Lisa Randolph, who wrote this episode. <clears throat> Forest 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 the forest is dark i can see him through the trees 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 michael writes in her emo journal voiceover about how much it sucks in the evil universe i can't rest here she says not really my eyes open it's like waking from the worst nightmare i could imagine and this is when we find out that Kelpians are a slave race in Helltown. And what a coincidence, Saru is Captain Burnham's personal slave. Her voiceover asks, Can you bury your heart? We are treated to a creepy montage of Saru performing her morning ablutions, and I hate it. We learn that mind traders in this universe are transporter beamed into the cold, unfeeling embrace of space. Remember that for later, wink. The amazing voiceover is revealed to be Michael, pouring her heart out to her dumb, lying boy traitor. She tells him, the darkness is waiting inside. With the wolf, I assume. (laughs) Saru interrupts their annoying conversation. Michael yells at Bag Salad until he leaves in an effort to convince evil Saru that she is also evil. 
She then says, thank you for bringing her breakfast, because she's very evil. And then she calls him Saru and tells him, I'm going to call you Saru after a respected friend, because that's a normal thing that would happen in Helltown. Gosh, she's so good at being evil. <laughs> Discovery calls, and she tells them that she has a cool floppy disk with tons of info, but they can't do anything with it from the Shenjo. She tells real Saru that his species is definitely not enslaved for bathing purposes on her ship, and why would you think that? On Discovery... Tilly diagnoses Stamets with a bad case of spore brain and convinces real Saru to let her take over his medical care. Back on Shenzhou, Michael is ordered to kill some rebels, including the notorious Firewolf, a Klingon rebel leader who has united the Klingons, the Vulcans, the Hog People, and the Blue Ones against the Terran Empire. Evil Detmer tries to be helpful and shoot them all to heck, but Michael yells at everyone in an effort to convince everyone that she's very evil and to buy her some thinking time. And this is when the opening theme happens three hours into the episode. <laughs> Lorca Fresh from the pain box says that it sucks that she has to shoot all those rebels in the face, but she convinces him that maybe it would be better to find out how the Klingons in this universe have learned teamwork so that they can apply that back in not evil universe. She takes bad salad with her downstairs to meet the rebels, and we find out that the Firewolf is none other than Vok, the albino Klingon that I completely forgot about because I didn't care about him. Vok summons his magical Vulcan to assess Mike's chillness levels, and it turns out, surprise, it's Sark, and he does a casual mind meld with a complete stranger who has memories of him from an alternate universe in her brain, and he declares her chill as hell. The rebels make a deal with Michael to not die in exchange for some useless information. That's a great deal. Everything goes very well until Bag Salad comes down with a bad case of Klingon and tries to do more murder. On Discovery, Tilly turns Stamets into a mushroom. <laughs> Michael yells at Bag Salad for almost ruining everything, whereupon his brain finally malfunctions completely and he realizes that he is a firewolf from universe. He tries more murder, but Slave Saru chucks his ass across the room. On Discovery, Stamets has a mushroom adventure. <laughs> in the execution teleporter, Mike transports Salad Wolf into space, but Discovery picks him up before he expires and reveals that Michael planted the floppy disk from the beginning of the show on him. Remember that? We did it! Just when things are looking up, the Emperor arrives and blows up the rebel base before they can evacuate. The Emperor is none other than Philippa Georgiou. We are all very surprised. Well, let's just gasp right now in, in surprise and shock. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I have fainted in shock. Oh, it seems the rebels will be dead by the time your friends arrive. <laughs> I mean, dramatically, it's not a bad reveal mm -hmm. for sure. But <laughs> we, we'll get to that. Also, Salad Wolf, excellent work. That's that's some uh, expert level uh, uh, escalation of uh, I love Salad, Salad Wolf, who sounds like yeah. the worst Metal Gear Solid villain ever. <laughs> Sounds like the worst metal band ever. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are Salad Wolf. We are Salad Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And this is how deep we can bend our knees. <laughs> <laughs> we are not pitched down in any way. Who told you that? <laughs> so, Nate, I have to ask, as as this show's biggest uh, cheerleader for the Klingons, you, you must love all this Klingon stuff, right? There's so much Klingon in this show. God, I love Klingons. Uh, it would be uh -huh. great if uh, they were actually Klingons. It would be nice yeah. if one showed up. 
Yeah, we're still waiting <laughs> I on sure that. I sure love one. Klingons. Would like to see one in an episode one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I keep wondering who they're for, and it's it's not the biggest Klingon lover I know. So who could it be for? I mean, the answer at this point is nobody. I guess. <laughs> no, and yeah. I've I've said this before, and I will continue saying it. Like, please, if if you are like. If you like this stuff, if you enjoy the, all the 24 Houses stuff and Vok and Laurel and all that stuff and the redesign and everything, uh, tell us. Write to us. We will do our best tr- to try to not make fun of you. Um, that's <laughs> no the promises. best I can offer. Yeah, we, we'll try. We, we are doing a better job of being nice. We probably could do better, but uh-huh. we're trying. But no, I, I really want to hear a well-reasoned argument. Like someone wrote in and explained why cisco was a bad captain and i disagreed with every single point they made but it was well made Mm, and i was interested like it's good to hear like yeah like why they're spending so much time developing this species that nobody cares about it'd be fine if 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 it was like a different species that they've made but they're totally calling them klingons they don't they don't eat no one's eating gach on this show no one's drank any blood wine Mm -hmm. nobody's punched each other in a bar and yelled no, the the biggest thing that you pointed out was like, at first all we had was Worf, and he's like a fuddy duddy, like he doesn't do anything. <laughs> and then we met all the rest of the Klingons, and they're just like it's bar fights all the time. Yep, like that's what they're about. They're a, they're a society of bar fights. Well, in this yeah. show, they're a society of bickering. Yeah, no, it feels like we're in a barber shop. <laughs> Government ain't right. Like that's, <laughs> that's it. That's the whole the whole Klingon setup. So, yeah. Um, so, but we did manage to find some good things, I, I assume, because mm-hmm. that's, that's the format of the show. And also we did this once already. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to stop talking about that now because that's only funny to us. Uh-huh. Wait, when does that ever stop me? Yeah, exactly. We uh, do an entire show about that. Yeah. Um, uh, but Nate, you, you, you do have a pretty good thing. What is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was struggling to find a good thing in this episode since it was a big, bleak, dark emo hellscape. Yeah, but you get you get one appearance per season, so you can you can talk about the broader stuff too. Yeah, so I picked something that's uh, my favorite thing about the entire show is that little clicky noise that Saru makes. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite thing. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like I'm a fan of aliens in general, so like I like. I like how they make it different, like make him different from like other human things. So like instead of him just being like making human noises, he they give him a clicky noise that makes it more real. Mm-hmm. Now, do we does that correspond to any specific like emotion or reaction or is it just a just a thing? <laughs> well, I think I think it's like like a he does it when he's surprised or when he's like reacting to something. So I think it's like, huh. It's it's his version <laughs> of the kiff sigh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> now I know you've thought about this. Does he make that noise during sex? <laughs> no, nah, he probably has different noises. Okay. <laughs> so turkey noises. <laughs> sure. I just picture picture like Michael outside his his quarters. Is that a rattlesnake in there? What is that? <laughs> Security to Saru's quarters. Oh, oh. His oh, quarters sorry. are full of rattlesnakes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is what I'm into. <laughs> no shade. Yeah. I don't hang but, around your quarters, Burnham. I mean, I'm not going to walk in on you kissing a boy because you've never kissed a boy, but, you know. 
Uh, and uh, speaking of Saru's sort of whole deal, though, this is kind of your bad thing, right, Nate? Yeah. <laughs> for my bad thing, I was uh, kind of spoiled for choice in this episode. Um, <laughs> the whole slave Kelpian race thing is dumb as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to call you Saru in honor of a respected friend? Like, <laughs> what the hell? He's like a, your servant person. Why would you be calling him a respected friend? It makes no freaking sense. Mm-hmm. I 100% thought that that was going to be like a plot point, that Slave Saru was going to be her downfall because she's being such a huge idiot here. You don't mm. name your slave people in Helltown. Especially since, like, everyone in the Mirror Universe has the same name and everything, so he, wouldn't he, like, remember being called Saru before? And that's a little bit suspicious that she just randomly picked that out of thin air. You know, b- yeah. you know before my I was snatched away from the hands of my mother at the age of one, she looked at me and named me Saru. So it's real fucking weird that you just happened to know that, Captain. <laughs> and you're not using it as as ammunition to torture me in some way. This mm-hmm. is this is like something you said to be nice. It, uh, it's yeah. not nice. It reminds me of something terrible. <laughs> it yeah. could have been like a cool thing for him to like overcome the whatever, but it's just yeah. there so that Mike can lie to Saru about the Kelpians definitely not being starship slaves. And yeah. it might also have something to do with him like trying to show why he saves her later. Yeah. It's just dumb and bad writing. They didn't give that enough time to actually make it mean anything. I, I will say I did like, and this was almost my good thing, I liked when uh, Prime Saru said, uh, hey, so uh, I didn't like the question. It was out of nowhere. But he's like, yeah. hey, are there any Kelpians over there? And she's like, uh, nope. Never, never heard of them. They don't even know what that is here. Nope. And like, we see Michael using her horrible lying and manipulating to get what she wants. And is maybe the first time I've seen her do it to spare someone's feelings. And that was kind of nice. See, Michael, you can lie for good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but I mean, it, it continues that whole raised by Vulcans, understands humans' emotions, lies and manipulates, and, and humans and human-like people. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not human, but same. Humans same, and human same. accessories, good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but she's she 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 sees them from the outside and she tells them exactly what they mm-hmm. need to hear to get what she wants and this time she mm-hmm. just did it to be nice and i, I kind of like that <laughs> yeah especially because it was like out of nowhere and then in the next breath he's like we can't tell michael about some other shit she's on a mission but he's like yeah. asking stupid useless questions no, it didn't make a lot of sense. He did say there aren't a lot of Kelpians in our world. We were all killed off or something. Like, I don't think we know the whole story yet. But, like, no. I think he's just wondering, did our people maybe have it a little better over there? Like, I, no, I no get it, but does. it is still. Yeah, no. You guys are the joke <laughs> in the entire multiverse. You were just always, like, slaves or dead. Uh-huh. That's just That's your fate. <laughs> <laughs> You're called Kelpians. Come on. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Ugh, so dumb. Literally made also, of seaweed. Like, yeah. <laughs> in any other show where they have an alien slave race on like any any other episode the series of Star Trek or something the alien slave races they're all horny and they get all dressed up but in this I didn't even get to see an alien ass it's bullshit mm-hmm. now do you want to see an alien ass or do you want to see Doug Jones ass I can see Doug Jones ass any day I want yeah, to see okay. the Kelpian's ass yeah there's no way I haven't seen Doug Jones's ass and you've definitely know, seen it? more Doug Jones stuff than I have I, isn't it usually under 10 pounds of latex, though? It still would be. Oh, okay. That's fair. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what their That's asses what are I'm like. That's what I'm into. You want to know. You want to know what their asses are like. <laughs> I, I get I've it. definitely seen his shining silver ass in Fantastic Four 2. 
And that's got <laughs> that's got to look pretty much the same, except that it's silver. I thought I thought Lawrence Fishburne was the uh, Silver Surfer. No, he was the voice of the Silver Surfer. This is one oh. of those times when Doug Jones was just yeah. the, was just the body of the person he was playing. Ah, I got it's you. actually very rare that Doug Jones is actually speaking the lines for the character that he is playing. He's usually just the body. Yeah, he's like uh, that dude uh, Ray Park, the guy who was Darth Maul yeah. and uh, Toad in the X Men movies, and no, and in, yeah. in Hellboy One, he was Niles. Ah. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that fish and then, in, and then in Hellboy 2, they were like, oh, no, you can actually act. And then he sang a, uh, 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 fuck. Uh, a fish song? Yes, a fish song. <laughs> the song of his people? <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah. No, I, I, but also, like, I, you want to see it for sexy reasons. That's cool. But also, it's cool to see, you know. We talked about this before, like uh, if Dax's spots go all the way down or if Worf, like he is, he's got uh, spikes down his back. Like and it's, nasty it's cool cankles. to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's cool to see that stuff. And it could have been well, interesting. I, I do think, though, all the other iterations of the Mirror Universe have been sexy and particularly Enterprises was sexy in that gross way. Yep. Like that, that Rick Berman way, I should say, is good, a little redundant to say both. Um, <laughs> but. I think maybe they're trying to go less sexual. Like the women aren't walking around in belly shirts and, you know, not everyone's fucking all the time. Mm -hmm. Like it's still implied there's a lot of fucking, but not as bad as before. So I think maybe they're trying to get a little better about that. That's my guess. I don't know. I liked it. I think it had like that right flavor of corniness, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like discovery in general. Okay. No, that's, that's fair. I'm just saying that's probably why they didn't sexualize Saru because they didn't want to cross that gross Rick Berman line. And also that's a that's a lot of makeup. Uh, yeah, also true. <laughs> really expensive. But but the prosthetic guys must love that. Ooh, now we don't just have to design like face and hands. Now we can like really get into this. Like, okay, what's he look like? Uh, you know, like what's his torso look like? Show of hands, who wants Saru to have uh, uh, nipple piercings? Everybody? Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, does he have gills? And all 12 like, of his nipples? Yes. <laughs> And they're all and they're all chained together. Oh, no, 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 only eleven of them. Now we're a Star just... Wars. <laughs> Actually, you, you're, what you're basically describing is when Vishal drew uh, Eric's oh, with God. many breasts for us. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh no, Matt. What was your good thing? Um, I am a big fan of the Mirror Giorgio reveal. Um. Mm-hmm. It's not particularly surprising if you know anything about television. And no, we talked about that last week. More than a minute's thought, but it's a good reveal. And Evil Giorgio opens up some really good drama for Michael. You know, that whole seeing your your mentor, only now she's a mass murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, also, she rocks the, the Emperor uniform. She's got a cape and a sword and a pretty mm-hmm. flower in her hair. I love it. No, and... <laughs> It's not a spoiler to say we're going to get more of this. They're not just going to show her and she disappears, obviously. And <laughs> She's like, ta-da! Right, yeah, then they go home. The, end. The, the first 30, the, fir- the teaser, the very short teaser for the next one is just like, they go back home the end. No, we're going to see this. On, we open on Michael wiping her hands and going, well, it's a good thing we handled that Giorgio situation so well. Yeah, wow, we just escaped. We'll talk now, about that uh, later or now, never. what are we doing? Klingon crap? Okay, good. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk some more. No, of course we're going to get more of that. That's that's like uh, very much implied there. And 
this isn't really a spoiler. Michelle Yeoh fucking kills it. Like, oh. she she does all the stuff that we're missing here, that crazy over-the-top bullshit that yeah. mm-hmm. you know, we want more of. And it's great. And Matt, that's that's your bad thing, right? That we don't get enough of that. Yeah, Um, I really dislike the Mirror Universe in this episode. Like, most of the Mirror Universe episodes are campy and have... The, the the cast members all get to really play up being evil. Like, there's lots of excuses to twirl mustaches and chew on scenery. But this one just gets into what it would really be like living in the Mirror Universe, which would be depressing. Like, mm-hmm. watching Saru bathe Michael is gross. All the backstabbing is really sad. None of it has the campy fun of evil beard Spock or intended Kira trying to seduce herself. Mm-hmm. Also, like, it's 2018 when I actually, this week, saw a kid on the bus wearing an actual SS hat. Like, Ugh. I could really do without all the Nazi imagery. Thank you very much. Yeah, and something we kind of uncovered in our previous discussion was the Saru slavery stuff felt like it was drawing a bit on actual historical slavery also, which uh, yeah. we also don't really need. Like, yeah, no, all this dark stuff, a lot of it happened in real life, and... If you make it fun and campy and stupid, it doesn't matter. But the more you make it realistic, the more you remind us that horrible things have actually happened, and some of it very recently. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like, like I, I, I'm, I'm fine with dealing for, with this kind of thing from a cathartic's point of view. I just played uh, Wolfenstein, where I get to shoot a fuck ton of Nazis. That felt great. But this is just, this is just people I like being sad and trying to deal with a uh, with a universe that is overwhelmingly horrible to them and it just it, it's just depressing no and we pointed this out even as recently as the last season of enterprise they did their mirror universe episode and i still thought it was kind of terrible but mm-hmm. for that show it was like they had a little bit of fun with it and that show had never had fun doing anything ever nope <laughs> but they did some, you know that that goofy ass like uh flocks doing his mad science stuff and i mean it, like, there was some fun stuff say, there say what you will about that show it did make an alternate opening credit sequence that was evil like yeah. that's fucking funny <laughs> yeah. no and we got a little bit of this last week with um you know captain killy and and that yeah. stuff and, like changing the ship slightly so it looks evil like p- basically putting a goatee <laughs> on the ship yeah <laughs> that was fun but yeah silly yeah, that's what you want if you're going to do this. Also, I don't think they needed to do this at all because, like, they've done it a lot. DS9 did it, like, five times. Mm-hmm. Enterprise did it twice. Like, enough. Do something yeah. different. But, ah, whatever. Ah. And actually, my bad thing kind of ties into all this. There's a certain aesthetic that's been pretty strong in the series from the beginning that I've never really been a fan of. Like, I'm almost certain it comes from Brian Fuller because it reminds me a lot of the stuff he did in Hannibal. and. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like Hannibal. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad show. It is not for me at all. Sure. It's for Tidrow. <laughs> That's who it's for. <laughs> but in a, in a psychological thriller about a serial killer, all this esoteric stuff with beautiful murder and all that stuff, it makes sense. But it doesn't really fit in Star Trek. Like, maybe in a one-off story, maybe in an interesting sort of like, oh, here's a possible thing, but not a whole series. And the entire episode is filled with, I, I had this whole thing about, Michael's voiceovers, but Nate really fucking nailed that, so I don't need to go over that again. But there's also these super clumsy metaphors, like Lieutenant Ash Tyler talks about learning how to spacewalk, and the minute he started saying that, we all knew where it was going. Like, because mm-hmm. they they when you spacewalk, you tether, and you're my tether, Michael. Ugh, thank you. Oh, was Lieutenant uh, Ash Tyler making a ham-fisted metaphor? Well, yeah. K surprise. <laughs> Yeah, uh, ham fist bag salad. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Incidentally, I'm pretty sure Salad Wolf opened for Beautiful Murder back in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> also, Lieutenant Ash Tyler literally fights his shadow self. Like, <laughs> and then the piece de resistance, the fire wolf, uh-huh. which is a real thing they say, not a wacky thing we made up. Mm-hmm. Like, I was willing to look past all of this when they were just little bits of it mixed in with Tilly and, and like the time loop episode and the, the weird singing blue planet. Like there's, there's fun, <laughs> weird, funny Star Trek shit happening along with this stuff. But this is pure undistilled 13 year old edgelord poetry from the back of someone's algebra two notebook. Mm-hmm. It's just terrible. Like they're drawing logos for bands like Firewolf. <laughs> That's the script. The script is just that. And, like, doodled barbed wire and, like, blood <laughs> dripping off a, I don't know, a fence. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, just terrible. Like, and we count on, like, Tilly to be some levity there, and she wasn't. No, she's not having know. a good time either, because she's really sad about Stamets being in his coma. Which is which is in character. That's oh, yeah. her supervisor mm. and her friend, and she's sad, but... When you're going to do a Sad Tilly episode, you need someone to pick up what she does mm. so that someone's doing it. And yeah, no one was doing it. there's no one. No. Yeah. And no. my good thing was a brief moment with Tilly. It wasn't funny, but it was sweet. Which was, she figures out, as, as Nate said, reads the manual on uh, mushrooms. <laughs> and um, there's this very brief moment. It's like 30 seconds. And I wish it had been longer. Where Saru just, just very earnestly says... That's a very good job you did there, Cadet. And she's like, thank you. Will you recommend me for the command track? And it's it's super sweet. And I wanted <laughs> more of that. Yeah. yeah. And it's also nice because that detail of her wanting to be a captain wasn't just dumb foreshadowing for Captain Killy. It's still part of her character. Mm-hmm. I don't think we got the mushroom manual in line in this in this version of the show. No, it was in your... So it, like I think it was that a- Tilly, we, usually, we had Tilly, we usually go to her for some fun. But in this one, like the, her entire role was basically just techno babble reading yeah. the, the how-to mushroom manual out yeah. to Saru. Which she co-wrote with Stamets in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Also, weird lack of doctors. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Stamets has some shit wrong with him that no one can land. figure out. And yeah, nobody's nobody seems to care. No, they apparently just got sick of trying to fix him and just carted him off to the spare room. Or maybe they don't <laughs> want to get murdered too. I don't know. Maybe yeah, the extras were all so uncomfortable trying to sit on the tiny tiny beds. <laughs> yeah. They that's couldn't one pay of those... anyone to get in there. That's one of those things now that it's been pointed out, we're never gonna mm-hmm. not... it's yeah. like uh, Lieutenant Ash Tyler with his mouth. Yeah. Just <laughs> always gonna notice that now. Oh, Matt, wasn't there a fan in this episode you hated? Oh, yeah. The, in the scene with the Firewolf, there's a big mm-hmm. fan with two blades per blade. Like, come on, fan. <laughs> How ostentatious do you possibly need to be? What even are you doing blowing air around this office? Fuck off. You're, Double blowing. This is, even worse very than when, this is even worse than when that guy was out front digging with that shovel with two blades. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else? There's a there's a major thing we want to talk about. I just want to make sure we get through the other stuff first. I think that's all my big points. All right, Nate. I think so. All right. So the the big like the main reason you you chose this episode. We talked about this uh, at some length because uh, you you wanted to talk about the thing that happened last week. The 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 horrible like plot development of uh, hey here's a gay character. Just kidding. And mm. um and and we calculated precisely like when would be the best time for you to come on to talk about this. 
And then we talked about you doing that and you're like, oh no, too much pressure. And then you wrote like all this stuff. So clearly you're still prepared to like, we didn't, you know, this isn't like uh, a go on, Nate, say something. And you don't know what to say. You clearly <laughs> hey, have given this some you're thought. You're a comedian, do a joke. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, you've clearly no. given this some thought. Well, I was worried because I was listening to the last episode and it was like big ups for me. So I was like thinking, oh, God, I'm just so tired of all this. Why do I have to kill all the characters that I like? And I didn't think I was going to have anything left. But but then I started watching the show and um, I was writing my notes, you know, as you do. And I just started typing Mm -hmm. and it got into this huge rant. (laughs) And um, I actually do have some fire left, so... Yes, please, please firewolf us. <laughs> firewolf. Uh, a real name well, for a real person. Yeah, uh-huh. for sure. Well, I've been... <laughs> I keep reading about how the powers that be are adamantly refuting that this is a... Bar- this isn't, they're saying that this is not a barrier gaze trope because his death has meaning, because they didn't kill him because he's gay. They kill him because he's smart. And go fuck yourself. Barrier gaze does not mean that the character has expired because they died of gayness. It means that I got to see two handsome men on my space television show smooch and be in love like 800 bazillion billion other straight couples in media, and then you killed one of them, and I don't get to see him anymore. I'm betrayed, Star Trek. I trusted you. It's 2018. Guess how many other ways you can get a character who knows too much out of the way? The answer is infinite. There is an infinite number of ways. All you have to do is write one of them. One of them. Klingons have poison barbs now, and it puts him in a coma until Lieutenant Bullshit Tyler gives him the antidote. Put him in a space chute and throw him out the airlock. Throw him in a cryotube in the morgue and set a retina lock on it so that only Lieutenant Dash Tyler can unlock him. Knock him out with a hypospray, stick him in a worker bee, and plot a course for Never Never Land. It doesn't matter that it's important that he died. It doesn't matter that there's a gay writer on the show or that there's gay actors in the show. It matters that you finally give a glimpse of gay representation on my stupid space adventure TV show and then you ruined it. I wish I could say that it doesn't impact me anymore when a queer character gets killed off because I'm expecting it to happen every time since we can't have nice things, but it does impact me. And not in the way that the writers want. I feel no sadness for this character. I don't mourn for Paul's loss, although he doesn't get to mourn either, which is a whole other bag of salad. I'm just pissed off and disappointed. And I saw a tweet asking that if anyone has actually thrown a book across the room in a fit of rage, and boy howdy, if this was a novel, I would have chucked that motherfucker into the stratosphere. And another thing, if you actually cared about not burying your gaze, there's a one real fucking simple solution. You could just make another character gay. <laughs> yeah, not... <laughs> We've got one. We're fine. Look, it's been 51 years. You got a couple. What more do you want? Yeah. Yeah, two. There's one left. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, this episode ends with us. We're supposed to think Paul Stamets is dead. And spoiler, mm. he's not. But mm-hmm. that's everyone's crying because, you know, he flatlined or whatever. <laughs> they, they're definitely going to, like, make culper into a mushroom zombie or something. But that yeah. doesn't make him not have died. I figured it's I, 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 I a figured different it out. character now. I, yeah. I figured it out. They're going to, within the spore drive, they're going to find a green mushroom that gives them an extra life. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So does that mean he has to wear the mushroom hat like Toad all the time now? Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, thing. That, it's, it's that or raccoon ears. Like, <laughs> it's his call. Well, or you go with the classic Tanuki with the giant balls, which is probably a bit too much. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's more nudity in Star Trek than I didn't want to see. <laughs> well, you got to see Klingon boobs again. Those are not Klingon boobs. This is a this is like a monkey's paw thing for you. Like, I want more Klingon <laughs> sex in Star Trek. Well, here you go. I do. I'm really horny for aliens, but I know. <laughs> not in not those ones. So no. you like Klingon sex, do you? Yeah. <laughs> no. No, but I, the thing about if they bring him back, and they may very well do that because the writers have been challenged on this, and they keep saying, just just wait. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, but you still killed him. Even if you bring him back, even if it's like time travel or whatever, and he's back to normal and everything's fine, you still killed him. Yeah, and, you can't mm-hmm. unring that bell, guys. Like, Yeah. And yeah. also, then, the tiny bit of plot you get out of that, which is not worth it, but the, the, the stakes of characters can die on this show mm-hmm. also doesn't matter because then you've undone it. So it's like the worst of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's like they they killed him. Now I get to watch all the other characters have adventures and stuff, but he's gone. Like you can't put him back. Like I'm not watching him on the show. He's yeah. dead. Yeah. No, it's it's terrible in so many ways. Also, th- apparently they cons- we talked about this last week. They consulted Glad, but how was Glad okay with this? Yeah, it's. Weird. I don't think that they actually consulted Glad. I think what happens is they like in that interview they were talking about how. Glad comes to you and is like, "Hey, this thing, this is how you can do it properly." And I get what they're they're saying, mm-hmm. like logically on paper. If you are reading like the rules of barrier gaze trope, because they have this plan for him that mm-hmm. we don't know about yet, it mm-hmm. doesn't like f- check the boxes uh, on paper. But the big thing about it is the character is dead, and I don't get to watch him kiss his husband on the show. Yeah, no, and the first, the first. Uh, time I was aware of the trope it was already kind of old was in Buffy with uh, Tara Mm -hmm. and she wasn't killed because she was gay she was killed because the character needed to lose someone and you probably could say they fridged her I guess but like Mm -hmm. because it was then all about Willow reacting to that yeah yeah but it still counts as as the trope doesn't it like yeah she was killed because she was important to another character it had nothing to do with her being gay it doesn't matter yeah yeah, it's so not the right. fact that they're gay. It's the fact that yeah. the, the the gay people are not the ones who are having a happy yeah. life and happily ever after and whatever, yeah. like all the other characters can. No, and as I as I pointed out a couple of weeks ago, like a million other shows got here first. Like yeah. Star Trek's supposed to be important for representation and, and being progressive and all that, and they suck at it. They just yeah. They mm-hmm. just suck at it. But okay, they finally did this, and we got him for what, six episodes? Yeah. Yeah, about that. Cause I was like just barely starting to not be bored by his character. He's there was nothing to his character yeah. because we hadn't got to know him yet. Like I know Stamets, yeah. but basically Hugh was a guy he came home to, and occasionally when you needed a doctor to say some doctor stuff, his whole deal was just to be concerned about what was happening with uh, Paul. And that's that's you know typical. It's it's unfortunate, but it is typical on a TV show to have the partner just not be very much. Yeah, it should have been but, better like, with that, but yeah. Yeah. The point of him being on this show was to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's like why he's there. He's not yeah. he's not having an adventure and then when they eventually wrote some part into him into the into the show, they got to it naturally where, oh, this character needs to die for the plot to move forward. Mm-hmm. The yeah. plot was getting him to be dead. 
And it's also That's not very even gaze. It's also not it's not even to motivate Stamets. No. Because no. what slight spoiler, we've talked about this already. He barely reacts to it. Like yeah. he's so out of it because the plot requires him to be in this weird you know, hallucinogenic, magical whatever mushroom state. adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a magic dreamland talking to his shadow self, which, Hey, great. Brandon Braga has gone. Or is he but, <laughs> like, but he's so out of it that he can't even react. So we don't even get that. Yeah. There's no, there's no drama from the person who would get the most drama out of what's happening. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They just part of the him, barrier you know. gaze trope is like that. It's like um, torture porn. Like, oh, yeah. they were so happy and oh, they're mourning and whatever. You don't even get that. So maybe that's like one of the technicalities that they were. I guess like, banking I on. Like their partner isn't uh, like devastated by it, so it's fine, right? I like guys. You can't. No. You you can't try to win me over on a technicality here. I know mm. how I feel. Yeah. No, yeah. And- and Nate, you pointed out too. If maybe if everything wasn't resting on their shoulders, if yeah. there was more representation, then killing one of them wouldn't be that big of a deal. But there mm-hmm. aren't any. There's a couple of background guys. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like the thing is like, oh, Star Trek, we've got our first gay character couple. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so great, and you you fucking ruined it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's no point to that. All that. No, like, this is episode 11, yeah. and the first two episodes didn't even take place on this show, so yeah. or on this ship. So yeah. we had yeah. nine episodes with this guy. That's it, nine. I didn't think Culper shows up, in, or Culper shows up in the first uh, Discovery episode. I you might be right. To later. He's he's uh, definitely a he secondary up, but character. we don't know who he is. Well, okay, but out of the nine episodes, there might have been one where he wasn't even in, though, because yeah. mm-hmm. he's not that important to the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Which, Which is again... Like- is okay. It's 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 like Mike. It's like the main character not being the captain. Michael's the main mm. character. The captain is also there. That's that's fine. But we barely got anything with this guy. And it's frustrating. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. It bugs me. It bugs. I don't me like it, and I hate it. Yeah. Because yep. even if you have like these like a not very important backup character, he's still there for the actual yeah. gay character of flagship character yeah. to yeah. go back to and be gay with mm-hmm. yeah. plus we don't get a lot of we pointed this out last week too we don't get a lot of couples period in star trek mm-hmm. we get a few here and there but long term like outside of a single done in one episode we don't get a lot of like romantic couples so seeing anyone go home to someone and brush their teeth with them and just like you know be like did you, did you get that sweet we live in the same quarters we sleep in the same bed kind of thing yeah. it's nice yeah you don't get much of that and, it's like there's two yeah. bright things on the show. One of them is yeah. Tilly when she's like being goofy yeah. and funny, and one of them was like, "Oh, nice hugging, kissing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like it." Although and I this episode had neither. What's up? Even the kissing yeah. took forever to show up. Like, uh, yeah, that's true. That was pi- that was pissing me off from their fir- the first time they uh, they were in the bedroom together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, because they they were saying like, yeah, but brushing their teeth together is even more intimate. No, it's intimate, but it's <laughs> no. not. No be more no. intimate if you are brushing someone else's teeth with your toothbrush intimate in a gross way mm. <laughs> yeah that's like that's like too close yeah <laughs> so i had I so had you some... want to be more intimate eh? <laughs> <laughs> yep i i hate uh i hate gay coupley the gay couple spread <laughs> <laughs> i actually have uh some some lighter counterpoint here this is something i came up with a couple of weeks ago and uh just a, just sort of a speculation here. The um, 
The all-too-brief on-screen existence of an actual gay couple in Star Trek has forced me to confront a fact that we all know, mathematically speaking, must be true. Obviously, Paul Stamets and Hugh Culber were not the first queer couple to exist in this universe. They were just the first two confirmed, confirmed bachelors. So, we've mentioned it on the show before, but it bears repeating. The oft-speculated-upon Kirk-Spock relationship, literally the start of the term slash fiction, was basically confirmed by, of all people, Gene Roddenberry in the novelization of the motion picture. This is Kirk, from the book, in his own words. I was never aware of this lover's rumor, although I've been told that Spock encountered it several times. Apparently, he always dismissed it with his characteristic lifting of his right eyebrow, which usually connoted some combination of surprise, disbelief, and or annoyance. As for myself, although I have no moral or other objections to physical love in any of its many earthly, alien, and mixed forms, I've always found my best gratification in that creature woman. Also, I dislike being thought of as so foolish that I would select a love partner who came into sexual heat only once every seven years. So... Maybe it didn't actually happen, but at the very least, Kirk has no problem with people saying it happened. Now, just imagine him saying all that with his usual, this is obviously innuendo smirk, and it absolutely does not rule out the possibility. Also, then, you of don't course, get much more Kirk than that creature woman. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Roddenberry did write it, and he's still a little gross. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love uh, all forms of sex. Also, no homo. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, but, but Roddenberry wrote that or had it ghostwritten and signed off on it in the mm. 70s. And he put mm. it like as, as pretty official canon. Hey, Kirk's cool with, uh, with gay couples. There's, there's no problem with this in the future. And for the 70s, that's, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty progressive. They should have put it in movies and TV. But, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> it's something. Uh, then, of course, there's Bashir and Garrick. Again, nothing was ever said on camera about this, but Andrew Robinson confirmed on a number of occasions that he played Garrick as both gay and into Bashir, and nothing on camera actually contradicted it. And then there was that time Dax hooked up with a previous Trill mate who had since moved on to a new <gasps> female host. That one was canon, but it also required some sci-fi trickery, so at best it counts for half credit. But given our recent revelation that as the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, everything we say can be considered as being officially in continuity... Here are some further guesses. I mean, canonical pronouncements. Uh, Lieutenant Ilea, the bald navigator from the motion picture, was Delton, a race we'd never seen before and have not really, as far as I know, seen since. Uh, maybe we saw one in the background or mentioned in a list of aliens. Shut up, nerds. You know what I mean. Ilea established that the Deltons were highly sexual, and it would be foolish to assume that this only meant heterosexual partnerings. Concurrently, this was Ahura's big afro phase, peak hotness for her, in my opinion. And I put it to you that the reason we never saw her in any serious relationship with a dude, that weird thing with Scotty from Star Trek V notwithstanding, is that she wasn't into dudes. She was doing everything in her considerable power to distract Ilea from fake Will Riker from Seventh Heaven. I personally choose to believe that it worked. Uh, and speaking of Riker, the real one, you're going to tell me that he didn't at least try to kiss his transporter duplicate? At least kiss? Come on, you've all met this guy. You know what he got up to. And there were two of them. <laughs> Over on DS9, well, I already mentioned uh, Garrick and Bashir and also Jadzia, but there's also Odo, who almost certainly experienced the liquid equivalent to a pansexual free-for-all orgy in The Great Link. Everyone was hooking up with everyone else constantly on Voyager, and nothing you can say to me will convince me otherwise. I don't actually have a specific example here, but the fact that everyone I know who loves Voyager is gay as springtime cannot possibly <laughs> be a coincidence. Uh, and Captain Archer can go fuck himself. <laughs> There's, there's probably more, but those those are the ones that I thought of. Sure. Uh, what else? Anything? Um, I think that was it. All right. Uh, well, let's let's just go ahead into the spoiler section here. Cause... All right. Spoiler alert. 
there's, there's really only one spoiler thing left, which is Lorca, and mm. we were, we're trying to figure out what his plan was. Yeah, again, it's not a... <laughs> nobody has a very good plan on this show. Everybody thinks they have a good plan, and they don't. No, he's back home. He's back in his universe, and I guess he's trying to get Discovery because it's got tech that he wants. But Right, but uh, right, currently his entire plan is hang out in the Agonizer booth for three days straight. Like... <laughs> Yeah, hang out in the Agonizer. That's a great place to go. Mm-hmm. Well, he like, seems to like it. I he guess. asked her to put him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, for appearances, like I guess. Yeah, but if you are going into a torture box. Oh, no, I'm just going like, to go in this Iron Maiden and have a nap. Mm. Yeah, right? It's not torture if you're like, okay, let's chill. Let's go back in. No. it's He should have, but... first of all, she's hauls him out of the box and then has like a coherent conversation with him. Yeah. So, How's it going, Michael? Well, he's he's standing up. He like should be on the floor comatose at least uh-huh. for a few hours. Do we do we maybe find out that he's got some way of like, I don't know, some pain inhibitor thing or something, you know, like no. I don't remember. Hey, that would have been clever. I and it could be, like maybe I'm just forgetting it. I don't know. I do not remember. Oh, well, I don't remember anything. Yeah, as far, I, as far as I'm I know. pretty sure that didn't happen. Yeah, as far yeah. as I know, he's just used to being in Agonizer booths. I guess, although I think... he's been in our soft universe for so long that he's probably forgotten all about it. Well, he has to yeah, give himself. he's so hardcore. He has yeah. to do some self-agonizing at night just to keep him practice. <laughs> he just well, shines a flashlight in his eyes. He punched himself in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and Maybe like he's... I said before, anyone else would have been willing, more than willing to do that. Maybe he's allergic to fortune cookies and just like. Oh, that could be it. Yeah, and, and tribbles. Maybe yep. that's a tribble with teeth that bites him regularly yep. or something. I don't know. <laughs> I like that tribble. I you can't just have one tribble. It, he's neutered. It's neutered. Yeah, it's the only thing about them. He's fixed. I like no. seeing it breathing just on the desk. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. But but Bones specifically said we we can't figure out how to neuter them. We'd like to, but I don't know how. They had a wonder in on the in the movie. Yeah, that didn't make sense either. I didn't like it there either. Like, yeah, the whole thing, the one thing about Tribbles, it's like your thing with Klingons. The the one the defining thing, thing about Tribbles is Tribbles are wonderful things. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Someone uh, write the lyrics to that. I want. I want. Uh, <laughs> Brian probably will now. Uh-huh. But, uh, Thank you, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Thanks in advance, Brian. <laughs> All right, let's let's do our thing. Uh, Nate, say the thing, and I'll I'll put the uh, reverb on your voice. Oh yeah, hang on, I gotta find it. Uh-huh. <laughs> In the past of the alternate future, Klingons don't speak Klingonese. Oh yeah, Lieutenant Ash Tyler says, uh, or Vok says, that's the ancient, <laughs> the ancient of my people. Like it's it's like Latin <laughs> over there, I guess. How do you know our dead language? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, also, I don't think I mentioned this here, but uh, the, the way they pitch down his voice so that it disguises it and it doesn't sound mm. the same as the actor, that bugs me. And yeah. they do it to the Andorian in this episode, too, and it sounds so bad. Yeah. It, it sounds also, like... like <laughs> for Tyler, or no, Valk, when he's, like, confronting um, Michael, he, like, goes at her and growls. And mm-hmm. it, if he was a real Klingon, he would have growled out of his own mouth like Worf did all the time. But uh-huh. uh, I think they dubbed in a lion growl. <laughs> <laughs> I did not notice that. That's fantastic. It not even bad. a wolf. They're not even staying on brand and <laughs> making a wolf. Come on. God, Maybe it was a wolf. Uh, Matt, what do you got? Uh, yeah, in the past of the alternate future, 
Must always be on lookout for Firewolf. <laughs> Wasn't Wolf one of the writers for DS9? Because we always talked about Wolf and Bear. Wolf and Bear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> somebody hue at Wolf. Oh, I don't remember. Maybe Wolf and Bear write Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, in the past of the alternate future, all Vulcans not only have the same haircut, like in our universe, but also the same facial hair. Mm -hmm. Oh, that bugged me. Yeah, there was no way in hell that wasn't going to happen. Like, yeah, but they already did it with Saval in Enterprise. Like, so every important Vulcan has a goatee. That's that's so dumb. Yeah, man, now it's tradition. Yeah, this yeah, is, now Al, it is, Al, this uh, is what yeah. the people want. They want things they've seen before so they can go, oh. But hey, I saw that. Huh? It's Star Trek. You already have warp drive and and phasers and transporters. Like, you don't need to redo every little piece. Oh, remember there Spock had a beard when he was evil. Ah. Oh, yeah. Okay. There were other Vulcans at the table, though, that didn't have beards. Yeah, so I think it's a status thing. Also, it a looked like... beard. Also, it looked like Sarek stole his uniform from Grand Moff Tarkin, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, famously, um, uh, Peter Cushing didn't want to wear... Or they couldn't fit boots to his big feet or something mm. like that. So yeah. he, he just got to wear slippers for all his scenes in the Death Star. And now you're making me think, like, Sarek's wearing, like, bunny slippers right off camera. Dude, the playmate <laughs> was so jealous he wanted to wear slippers. Yeah, I really, I really would like to pay, but like the most, you know, bright pink, big floppy bunny ears, like yep. the 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 platonic example of you know, um, bunny slippers. Yep. Okay, <laughs> uh, Nate, you got a quote for us? I do. It is um, when uh, Tilly is reciting the mushroom manual to Zeru. She says a line that I am absolutely certain is going to be what we come back to for the shadow foreshadowiest bit of mushroom zombie doctor boyfriend theory. Fungi are the only organism with the biological aptitude to link death with life. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that seems pretty obvious. Also, uh, you know, more spoilers. We already put the spoiler warning up. So, uh uh, Lorca, that's how Mirror Lorca dies it's in the mushroom thing. Easily how they're going to bring back evil, so, yeah. evil Lorca. And I'd much rather see Prime Lorca, because I like Jason Isaacs, and I want to see what the real character was like. Yeah. But Also, I wish that everybody on the show was speaking in their in their actual voices. Mm -hmm. I don't know what his real accent is. Like, I know he's English, but I don't know what his... Like, I saw uh, Death of Stalin recently, and he did a great, like, uh, northern... He sounded like uh, English Gav. <laughs> oh, Honestly. nice. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not his regular accent. No, but he was fantastic in that. It's, they did this great thing where they're all supposed to be Russian, but they all were just in their normal accents. So there's a lot of British actors <laughs> and a lot of American actors, and then he was doing that and just mm. it, <laughs> they just they said fuck it, we're not gonna sound like there's no point making us all sound British or all sound American or do Russian accents. That doesn't make sense. So just sound <laughs> what you sound like. So. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Shazad. Who plays mm -hmm. Ash? His his natural accent is so much nicer too. Well, you've it's been saying the actor Ash seems... Tyler is so annoying and, yeah. and horrible to look at, but uh, <laughs> the the actual actor himself, I've watched a couple of interviews, and he's very attractive. No, he's not a bad looking dude, but I do think he's the weakest actor in this ensemble. Like, mm -hmm. especially since most of his scenes are one on one with Sinequa Martin Green, who just acts circles around him. She's so good. Like everything yeah. she does is like, yeah. Uh, I just watching the show. Like, oh, I love Michael. <laughs> no, and she's such a mess, and she's such a train wreck, but in a great way. And oh yeah, 
the uh, Amanda pointed this out, and, and Nate, you pointed this out a bit too. The the voiceovers just undercut. Like she's good enough to to show you what's happening. You don't need to tell us. Mm-hmm. It's all in her face, man. Mm-hmm. Like the writing is not uh, exactly the most stellar. <laughs> no, I, but it, like she elevates it so much, which is what you're supposed to do as an actor. Yeah. No, and I've I my overall assessment of Discovery, I've said this several times, is I feel like they have all the pieces for a good show. I just don't think they've been assembled in the right order yet. And yeah. Which you know, like the first season of every TV show is about finding its feet, and I think uh, like. If we can keep getting discovery, which I hope we do, yeah. um, I think like once it develops into what it what it what it actually is, like when it is completed, you will look back on it and think, ah, yes, this is what discovery was. I, I hope feel like so. we're gonna be like the first season was a bit rocky, but uh, we got into it. Mm-hmm. I hope so, but that's how TV worked in the eighties and nineties. I, I don't know. think we like it doesn't work like that now. Like think about the long running shows that you like, like. Think about, for instance, The Good Place, which I know is a show all three of us watch. Mm-hmm. I've that only show, seen the first season because that's I'm fine. in Canada. That's fine. But the first season hit the ground running. It grabbed you instantly with the pilot and got better and better as it went. Like mm-hmm. That's true. Sh- shows are like that now because there's so many shows. You, If yours isn't amazing, people are going to flip the channel. Like, you got mm-hmm. to hit them. You don't have that time to grow like you used to. Yeah. And, like... When Next Gen and DS9 were on, it's like, okay, well, they get 26 episodes a season, and they're going to be on for seven years. It'll take time. But they don't have that luxury anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. TV works a little differently now. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Mm. Like, I, I hope feel like right. just because it's Star Trek, like they, they, they're trying to like fill so many... Yeah. bits and pieces and to, to, to try and like make something that they they haven't polished it down to what discovery is yet well, yeah. they're yeah. trying to like make something for everyone and they're trying to make a lot of different trek shows which i think is a good idea because then each one can like if star trek does say five things really well then each show can do one thing and you don't have to put it all in one show you know mm-hmm. I'm so, so worried about what they're going to come up with. Yeah, me too. Because I would, like, watch a million seasons. (laughs) A million seasons of the Captain Tilly show. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But they're not going to do that. They're going to give us stuff that, like, you know, the the Captain Picard show, which might be good. Who knows? But it's (laughs) we already know that guy. And they're talking about doing a con show. We already know that guy, and he's not very interesting. Yeah. Were they actually talking about that? Yeah, they... They're that more is than one of the talking. ones that they keep coming back to. Is we want to do oh, a con that show. Died. We already no. did it. Yeah. No, they redid it recently. It's and it was it's ru- it was bad. It was real it's, fucking was... bad. <laughs> yeah. Except you guys were there. We all walked out of that movie thinking we liked it. So you know. Yeah, well, Phantom Menace syndrome. Like that. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll see what happens. If any, <laughs> if anything else, this like once we finish this first season of Discovery, at this point, everything we review will be brand new to us which mm-hmm. is gonna be weird so weird yeah i was and worried about making spoilers there isn't really much left to spoil in this show but no that's there's that one major twist coming next all. week yeah after after this it's all like and all my opinions i don't know about you matt but all my opinions are gonna be garbage because everything i my first reaction is always wrong oh yeah no look <laughs> i i i was i was delighted by every episode this season of discovery mm-hmm yeah me too i see i it's new star trek yeah Yeah. Mm. 
I was a little better, but I still was wrong about a lot of stuff. Mm. So, but that'll be a fun experience. Yep. All right. I think so, even just like the act of doing the show and having to actually look at the show that you're watching while you're watching it, like I enjoy everything until I actually look too closely at it. I see. I it's it's not like it's not like it ruins it for me. Sometimes looking closer makes me appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when it comes to all this stuff with Michael, like they, on the surface, the character's fine. Like okay, whatever. But the more I thought about it, the more I really liked her. And that's a case where everything, you know. Every, every time I dig a little deeper with her, it's like something new I enjoy. So mm-hmm. it doesn't just go one way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not like I'm ruining my fun. Sometimes I'm finding things to enjoy <laughs> that I didn't know were there. Mm-hmm. So it goes both ways. All right. That's all for this time. <laughs> and I've recorded this with three different mics this time. It looks like a fucking press conference in here. So <laughs> <laughs> press conference of one. This will be the last time we do this. Uh, Nate, do you want to do you want to tell the people how they might find you? <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. Sometimes yeah. I post art, but mostly I post whining, <laughs> and uh, that would be Nathan Lage. So you're on you're on Twitter. That's like you just described Twitter. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Sometimes Some I'm creative. Some sometimes good. I'm sad. Yeah, that's that's all of us. <laughs> those are the two. Those are the two. Uh, those are the two feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I hate Twitter, and I love Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so our website, as always, postatomichorror.com. You want to write to us, postatomichorror at Gmail. We are also on Twitter at Algar at Robot Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, think that's it. Yep. See you, folks. The Postatomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2018. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs> <laughs>